Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join us on this week's episode, episode 47, where your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter talk to you about Cyclone Football, the NFL, MLB, and of course our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. That... That Cyhawk, I still have not completely absorbed. I haven't either. Happened in that Cyhawk game. That was just an insane day. Monday Night Football, like their pregame show, featured that one play on "Come On, Man." I mean, you have to. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves talking about essentially the last play of the game, but you can't you can't run over your punt returner. Period. Like, what no. are you thinking? Don't run over your punt returner. He was trying to block the player out of the way, but he blocked him out of the way, and then the only place he had to go was into the punt returner. I, you just can't. And that's he just leveled just, him. But that's, but that's getting ahead of it. This, this game had so much hype and anticipation going into it. College game day was nuts. Yeah, um, one of the like lead, so one of the lead much. producers. I know. I tried to look for you. It was just too hard. Everybody yeah. was wearing cardinal. Yeah, and every, like it was so packed in there. Pumped. Yeah, the, like, you know, it was. You it know, was so hard to hear everybody talk. That's because awesome. the crowd was so loud. Like there, were, there was one time where Kirk Herbstreet leaned closer to um, uh, Reese this- Davis. Because yeah. he couldn't hear him, yeah. and he was like, "It's too loud here. I can't hear you at all." So he just guessed what Reese Davis said yep. and went with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was just oh, it was such a good. But I was thinking, I thought of this after the fact. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't make a sign for game day, right? Yeah. But I should have made a sign that said, "I was banned uses flip folders." That would have yeah. been a perfect sign to make. Well, but I didn't think of it until afterwards. Did you see Robbie? Robbie uh, made a sign that said that. No, I didn't. All right, that's yeah. a really good sign. One I of the one of the sign. trombone players for the Iowa State marching band made that sign. Shout out to Robbie. Uh, that's awesome. He he made that sign. The Iowa band uses flip folders. I commented on his Instagram post. Uh, this just in: the band may never recover from that one. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that was awesome. perfect. But, but anyway, then the yeah. game actually did roll around after. Well, it was a long day. day. It was a well. So the game started, and Iowa drives down and uh, gets a field goal in the opening drive. Cyclones start their uh, start their next drive, and after one play of that drive, a completion to who else but Chanta Jones. Um, well, we don't know if it was a good completion. Well, it was on. called a completion on yes. the field, and because of lightning, they only had one camera on the field, so there was no not even decisive... on the field. It was in the booth. Right, there was no decisive angle on it, and then we go into a lightning delay. That one lasts forty six minutes, and we're back on there. And then Iowa State one's a awesome wide receiver pass, Deshante Jones to Lamichael Petaway. Right, it was Jones to Petaway. Petway. Yeah, Petway, uh, yeah, that was that was Petway's third touchdown catch. So. Mm-hmm. At that point, he was the only receiver to score a touchdown for the Cyclones. Yeah. But Jones used to be a high school quarterback, so no surprise there. Mm-hmm. But like we said, the Cyclones opened up their playbook a little bit. Yes, they definitely did. And we'll get more to that later. But And then soon after that, we go into a second rain slash lightning delay. This one has hail involved. This one lasts a little over two hours. So at this point, we're already looking at like 6.30, 7 o'clock. When this game is going, an afternoon kickoff at. turned it, turned into Saturday night lights. Right, and it's not even halftime yet at this point. So the Cyclones go up seven six at halftime. Um, they pick up another touchdown early in the third quarter on a uh, another deep pass from Brock Purdy, another long play. Oh, Tariq Milton. Yep. And uh, in the end, Iowa gets a touchdown and a few more field goals and. Uh, the end of the game, the Cyclones cannot convert on a fourth and on two tries on fourth and thirteen there because they had one offset by penalties and then another one there could not convert, force Iowa to punt and then we already talked about how that game ended with the punt. Well, they they but, did convert on the first fourth and thirteen, but offsetting yeah. penalties yeah. brought it back. 
No, they didn't do it was it was incomplete, and the offsetting penalties were oh, passed. It was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I, I thought they completed well, one of so, them. No, because we got we got super well. Because at least me, I got super excited because I I saw the pass interference and I saw the flag fly and I got super pumped, but I didn't see the holding flag mm-hmm. fly until the ref announced it. So, yeah. But anyway, overall, I thought despite the loss that that game was incredibly encouraging the cyclones dominated that game yeah like let, let's just let's just say it the way it is the cyclones dominated that game and i saw this statistic today and i don't know if this makes me feel better or worse about the loss but going into that cyhawk game in the last 10 years there were 499 games where one team averaged more than 7.7 yards per play and allowed less than 4.3 yards per play, and those teams were 100 and, or were 498 and one going into the Cyhawk game, and Iowa State just made it 498 and two. Perfect. I mean, they averaged more than 7.7 yards per play and gave up less than 4.3 yards per play and still lost. Like they dominated that game. Uh-huh. If it wasn't for the fumble by Brock Purdy and the interception, right? He threw an interception. Yeah. Yeah. And the muff punt, Purdy fumbled through an interception, and we had the muff punt, and it's just, you just can't, you just can't have those things happen. It is, it is what I wrote down. Crucial mistakes by the Cyclones were key to their demise in this game. Mm-hmm. They, they, we, the Cyclones literally had, had the game plan, had everything they needed to pull off this win, but three, four crucial mistakes, lost in the game. Iowa finds a way to win because they don't make mistakes. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, Nate Stanley was terrible, and he did make mistakes. We just didn't capitalize on those mistakes, right? I think about right before the field goal that turned into the game-winning field goal for Iowa, right? The pass was broken up in the end zone. It literally landed in a Cyclones lap, and and it wasn't picked off. He picks that off, the Cyclones win that game, Mm -hmm. right? Because we just run the ball down Iowa's throughout like we were able to do all day, run out the clock, get some points, and we win that ball game, but... That okay. So another thing that was super encouraging about this game was everybody coming into this game. All the media was just talking about Iowa has a defensive line that is an NFL defensive line. They're they're like the Cyclones aren't going to be able to do anything. AJ Espen, whatever his name is, Espinosa is going to have like five sacks because he all he does is sack quarterbacks. He had. I think only one, one quarterback one, hurry. Yep, one pressure. That was it. One pressure. That Cyclone Dude. offensive line played phenomenally. Brock yes, Purdy had, had lots of time to yeah. throw the ball, to get through all of his reads, mm-hmm. everything. We were able to run the ball. It, the The offensive line is going to be the strong point of this team going forward, and is, we're gonna, it's going to have to be. Yeah. It's going to have to be as mm-hmm. we get into Big 12 play, but we have another um, non-conference game first, which I think will help. Um, but. Yeah. Also, I mean, the defense also played phenomenally, right? Yeah. I mean, I, this defense has still only given up one regulation touchdown through two mm-hmm. games, right? Right. The only points they gave up in regulation to you and I was a single field goal. And uh, they gave up the one touchdown and four field goals, right? That's what it was. Yeah, one touchdown and four field goals to uh, to uh, Iowa. I mean, this defense has been phenomenal. They're, they do give up some chunk yard plays occasionally, but we haven't seen them give up a big home run play like they did two they, years no, ago. They've, they've never, they haven't no given home up runs. a play of more than 30 yards yet this year. No home runs. So mm-hmm. there was the one big run that Iowa had, um, I, think in the, it was, I think, in the first half. And I was like, oh, no, hopefully this doesn't happen all game. But that Cyclone defense is is pretty interesting now and you're starting to see some of those schemes in some nfl teams nfl teams are taking notice three three five or the Uh three four four depending on what you the raiders the raiders ran it against the raiders ran it against the chiefs they did a at one point they did a uh four two five and then they did a three three five for the majority of the game so that defensive scheme I was going to say, that, that Cyclones defensive coordinator, he's going to find his way to the NFL at some oh, point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To coach some defense. But I don't know I don't know if he's going to leave Matt Campbell. I mean, we'll yeah. see. But that that's a story for another conversation in the offseason once that rolls around. But, mm-hmm. but yes, I agree with you that, uh, that this defense can play in the NFL. But, I mean, yeah, 
it's in the end it was the mistakes. We made the mistakes. Iowa didn't make the mistakes. Iowa won the game despite being dominated. And it was the rain delay. It was I mean the students stormed the field doing a rain delay. Have you ever seen that before? I have not seen that before. It was insane. Like I I just saw a video on uh, our other host, Wyatt's snap story of the students storming the field. And I was like, why are they doing that? They got bored. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was during the hailstorm. Right. On on Sunday, I was talking to, talking to one of the, one of the guys who did it. He shall remain nameless. And uh, he was like, yeah. So there were three security guards down there, you know, like one professional and like two students or whatever. And after a little bit, the, the 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 professional, she just went up and laughed. And then after like three minutes, the students just looked at each other and like, what the heck are we doing down here? And they just left too. And then like two minutes later, the student stormed the field. Yeah. So. That was uh, insane. I mean, I, I mean, maybe it wasn't necessarily classy, but I mean, that, the Cyclone fans care. Right, yeah. I think that's well. And, I mean, and they, the fact they, that they care also, after the second rain exactly. delay. It was almost capacity again. Mm-hmm. They waited out all those rain delays. It was just insane. It was just insane. The cyclone, cyclone fans care, and yeah. they they're they're behind this team. I don't. I'm not hitting the panic button. Um, we need to clean up the mistakes. But too I many mean, penalties that those, kill us at those times. Are mis- those are mistakes, too. And we got to be better defensively on third down. Yeah. We got to get off be the field on third, on third down. down. But, but these, these are things. Is what it is. This, this game gave me more confidence about the season, despite the loss. I mean, mm-hmm. right? And we were talking about this, right? You win all your games, right? You, 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 you don't lose another game, you're the national champions still, right? This game doesn't affect your ability to get to the Big 12 championship game. This game doesn't affect your chances of getting to the college football playoff if you win out, right? So I think I think a one-loss Big 12 team is going to find themselves in the college football playoff oh, yes. because Texas already has a loss. But who's their yep. loss to? LSU. LSU, who has a potential Heisman candidate in their quarterback who's playing phenomenally. But he has he's he's been responsible for more touchdowns than he has interceptions. Well, same as Jalen Hurts. Oh, sorry, more touchdowns than he has uh, incompletions. Sorry, not yeah. interceptions. I hope you have more touchdowns than interceptions. Otherwise, you're well, bad. that's so that's Jalen Hurts. Does Joe Burrow also have the same statistic? No, that yeah, that's Jalen Hurts. Okay, so Jalen Hurts, but the entire so Texas has to play Oklahoma, and they both have to play Iowa State. Somebody's got to come out there with a lot out of there with. And TCU's in the top 25 now all of a sudden. Yeah. In the poll that just and came. So. K-State, K-State looks good. They've they've been able to rack up some yards. Granted, they played two cupcakes. That was, that was a and big, then they that played was a, Mississippi State on the road. That was a that was a big win. I mean, they they're ranked 26th in the coaches poll. 25th in, or 25th in the coaches poll, 26th in the AP poll. Yeah. So, so remember what I told you about the Cyclones having a very tough game last game of the season against K-State in Manhattan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tough game. I didn't say you were wrong. I just said they don't lose that game if they oh, only yeah, had yeah. one loss. Yeah, right? Yeah. I, I didn't call – yeah. Anyway, that's a topic for another time. But, yes, this Big 12 is going to be good. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got – It's going to be a gauntlet. So if, the only conference who plays every team, every team, round robin – it's going to be a gauntlet this year. If you, if you just look at the top 34, right, the top 34 in the AP poll, you've got Oklahoma. You've got Texas. You've got TCU. You've got Kansas State. You've got Oklahoma State, and you've got Iowa State. Six six of the top 36 teams in the nation are in the Big 12. The Big six 12 of the top 10 gauntlet. teams. Six of the 10 teams in the Big 12. Oh, and hey, Baylor is also undefeated. Don't. Yeah, KU, they, can, KU can apparently put up some yards against Boston College, but can do nothing against East Eastern Carolina. Uh-huh. Okay, whatever. Um, but it, it's not going to be an easy year in the Big 12 this year. No. No. The, the Big 12 honestly might, they might uh, 
demise themselves from the college football playoff. Yeah, they very well. They the big, beat up each other, beat everybody the, up. The Big 12 is looking like it's going to be a lot better than I originally thought mm. it was. So, I mean, that'll you're be... Gonna, you're going to have some cupcakes in West Virginia and Texas Tech. Kansas, Especially probably, Texas Tech so. lost the starting quarterback for at least a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So, but mm-hmm. anyway... Next week, Cyclones, uh, 11 o'clock on FS1 against Louisiana Monroe. This game. Two weeks. It just got announced. 2.30 kickoff on either on one of the ESPN networks, ABC, ESPN, or ESPN2. Yep, against Baylor. So those are your next two Cyclones games. Louisiana Monroe should be a cakewalk. And then going into Waco should be fun. Yep. It'll be a fun game. So enjoy a hopefully relaxing-ish game against the – against Louisiana Monroe, and then get ready for conference play because conference play is when you earn it, right? Mm. If you can if you can, you can, can rattle off some conference wins to start the schedule, get some confidence, and maybe a shot at a Big 12 title game. Then we'll have yeah. to go back to what we were doing last year where I give you weekly updates on Iowa State's uh, Big 12 championship game. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm excited for that. Hopefully that happens. I'll put them together as soon as uh, enough percentage, as soon as scenarios become clear enough that it, what wouldn't take six hours of my time to figure out that's fair so so you you mentioned that um it's going to be fun when we go to baylor but there are a few teams in the nfl who aren't really having much fun right now um, I mean, the dolphins can't be having much fun they suck everybody on their team wants out essentially i mean the jaguars um, are bad now that nick Foles is hurt but gardner Minshew showed that he can be an interesting character. He wore a jock strap in the locker room while he was I mean, everyone knew he was an interesting character. That was never in question. So did you know he's he is not actually the second? He's just named Garner Minshew the second. His dad just said, You're the second. There is no first. That's it. <laughs> he's just he's a very interesting character. character. But there are some teams who are really getting banged up right now. Um, probably the biggest loss was Drew Brees um, got injured, um, and now the Saints are debating whether or not to put him, just leave him out for the six weeks that he's expected to miss or put him um, on injured reserve with the designation to return uh, to the team. Um, he's with a torn ligament in his thumb. He was on the sideline trying to pick up a ball, dropped it immediately, couldn't hold on to it. Big loss. Um, now it's a quarterback by committee with Teddy Bridgewater and um, Taysom, uh, Taysom Hill, who's the Swiss Army knife for that team. But yeah. Teddy needs to build a bridge over water for a while, and it needs to be a sturdy bridge Ooh. to keep the Saints alive. Ooh. You like that one? How long were you thinking of that one? Uh, it came right Go to home. me this morning. When Go I home. Boo. Well, Big Ben is not going to have to see much time on the field this year. Uh, he just got that big contract extension with the uh, Steelers and he is now out. He's going to have elbow surgery and the former Oklahoma state quarterback, Mason Rudolph, uh, who can throw the ball all over the field is now taken over. He, he, he actually played pretty decently. He did. He did play pretty well. He had, uh, he did have one interception that was completely the fault of Dante Moncrief, who apparently cannot catch anything that is thrown his way for the Steelers this season. Um, I think he has like six drops in the first two games and he's responsible for an interception that should have, that is his fault that goes on Mason Rudolph. Um, the other team that is uh, now apparently riddled with quarterback injuries uh, slash mono, um, the New York Jets, Sam Donald gets mono um, and now Trevor Simeon has a gruesome injury. Don't, uh, don't don't look don't it watch up. it. Don't watch all, it. All, all I'm gonna all I'm gonna say about it is heels are not supposed to touch calves. Now they have um, Luke Falk out there, uh, who is he like, was in like, the air like raid the for Marshall Falk. Yeah, I think so. He was he was in the air raid system for um, uh, oh I'm blanking on his name, Mike Leach at Washington, Washington State. State. Um, but he doesn't look great, and the Jets don't look great on Monday Night Football right now. Uh, so the Jets he's, might he's be in, in for some rough patches here as they play, I believe, the Patriots, the Cowboys, um, another tough team, and then the Patriots again, all while they don't have Sam Darnold. So 
So are we, when we go into when we go go into next week, are we gonna have what is it? Five teams already without the starting quarterback. I believe so. Jaguars, yeah. Saints, Jets, Steelers, Steelers. Um. And, uh, oh, there's one more. Maybe oh, it's just four. It might just be four right but now. I thought there was. But, but anyway, that's a, a lot of quarterback injuries. Yeah. Already at the very the, beginning of the season. No. So. Speaking of, um, well, I guess not speaking of anything, uh, a reason why I was really upset yesterday is the refs handed a game away again. A lot Um, of games. A lot of games, really. We'll get into that later. Uh, But the refs handed the game away, particularly to the Bears. Um, uh, So David Montgomery finally got his first touchdown of the season for the Bears. He is the only uh, person to score a touchdown for the Bears this season. Maybe uh, they should just give him the ball ball. They, I think they should. Just, just a thought. Feed him, feed him the rock. He can, he can do it. Um, but speaking of the refs for that game, there is a uh, the um, Broncos went ahead, had a game-winning touchdown. They uh, were ballsy and went for two to win the game. They got it with well, a hold, two-point hold on, conversion to Emmanuel we're, Sanders. We're gonna stop there. This is this is a uh, interim edition of Mike's stupid rules. It's not the actual stupid rule. Did you see what happened on that two point conversion attempt? Yeah. So they were they they, they were going to go for two, mm-hmm. and then they got a false start. Yep. So then they were going to kick the extra point, mm-hmm. right, and go for one, right? Mm-hmm. But then the Bears were off sides, and mm-hmm. now for some reason, instead of that penalty being enforced half the distance to the goal from the seven, like. I, you they, would think it was. It was enforced half the distance from the original two because they were changing in between going for one or two. So that two-point try ended up being from the one instead of from the three and a half like you would have expected. Yeah. Did you catch well, that? That just so, seems weird to me. So they brought in Gene Steratore, who is the rules expert for Fox. Um, mm-hmm. And he did explain that when there is a penalty on an extra point attempt, they have the option to take it from two or from one. Even, the team even, is given the option. But but even though they'd already had a penalty against it them. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, that just seems weird. It doesn't matter at that point. That's what he said. Apparently that's what the rule states. So I think that's a loophole in the rule. Um, I don't think you should be able to just inter- like switch um, like that all the time. But you're right. It was weird. I was watching it. I was like, hold on a second. Now they're actually going from two from like the one and a half instead of the three. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, they got, lo and behold, they got the two point conversion up by one um, Bradley. So on the next possession, the Broncos have like 30 seconds to get the ball into field goal range to kick a game winning field goal. Bears, but yeah. Bears, to kick a game winning field goal. Bradley Chubb tackles Mitch Trubisky about a half a second after he releases the ball. The, the play is an, results in an incomplete pass. Um, I believe it was fourth on, down. On fourth down. On fourth down, down. Yeah. And he was thrown a flag for roughing the passer, which gave them first down, and then they only needed 20 more yards to get into field goal range. That, that flag shouldn't have been thrown. There is no way that Bradley Chubb was roughing the passer when he literally got to the quarterback, Joe Flacco, as the ball was thrown, or Mitch Trubisky, sorry, as the ball was thrown. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a terrible call. Mind. Boggles my mind. It was a terrible call. And now the Bears are all excited because they have a field goal kicker. But just a reminder, um, he, he, just a reminder, the Bears took some guy named Mitch Trubisky over some other guy who already has won a league MVP and has seven touchdowns this year. Oh, and by the way, Mitch Trubisky doesn't have a single touchdown pass. Mitch Trubisky did not look good again. I mm-hmm. mean, they got bailed out by the refs again, the Bears did yep. on that last play, because, right, so they completed oh, a pass yeah, yeah, yeah. over the middle, and the guy got tackled with, like, less than one second on the clock, and the clock went to zero. But for some reason, they said that the Bears called a timeout instantaneously after that play was over. They shouldn't have had any time left on the clock there. The refs bailed them out again. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I don't know know how you can say that there was time left. 
unbelievable. He went down with one second. The, the clock hit one, then he went down. So it was in between zero and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's oh, no way you can get a timeout off that. Officiating so far. But yeah. the NFL has had some bad officiating. I mean, there was bad officiating again in that Saints Rams game. The, the yep. Saints got got oh, uh, oh, have a touchdown because they, they called Cam. it incomplete. I mean, so you default in a. So basically, what happened is it was one of those, you know, was it an incomplete pass or a fumble? I mean, it was obviously a fumble, but I mean, if it's close, right, your default should be call it a fumble, right? Let the, because, let the play continue. Right, right, because if you call it a fumble, the play can continue, and if you're wrong, you can correct it to an incomplete pass and there's no foul. But if you call it an incomplete pass, right, even if you go back on review and rule it a fumble, all you can do is give it to the team that recovered the fumble where they recovered it, and you instead of you know giving them the touchdown that they ran it back for. You, your default should be calling those fumbles mm-hmm. in those situations. But yeah, I don't. Cam, did you see Cam Jordan's uh, press conference afterwards? No, I didn't. He, he started to call the rest Footlocker, and and then he was like the officials. Nice. So he, yeah, I'm assuming he's gonna get a fine from the league for that one. Yeah, but it was hysterical it. nonetheless. Yeah. Um, but he had a touchdown, and it should have stayed that way. Um, but otherwise, the Saints weren't able to get anything going with their backups, so they have some work to do. Um, but a team who was able to get some things going were the Chiefs, who uh, went into Oakland uh, with a the series tie, the all-time series tied at like at the Coliseum, and they won. So now they have the all-time series uh, win. Um, in Oakland Coliseum the last time they'll ever play there on a multi-purpose field. Uh, but the week um, Patrick Mahomes and the entire offense was stifled for the entire fourth, first quarter uh, by the Raiders, but they came out in the second quarter and made adjustments. Patrick Mahomes threw for 279 yards in the second quarter alone and four touchdowns. Um, the only other person to do that was a guy named Drew Brees in 2008. So, he was firing on all cylinders. Those were the only points uh, scored in that game. Uh, they ended up winning 28-10. to 10. Uh, Next week, uh, the Chiefs show off with a another team and another quarterback who has the same number of touchdowns in Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. That's uh, Baltimore Ravens match. come to Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs go home for the first time this season. Um, so we'll look to see that. The Ravens always have a, a fairly good defense, but... Look to see how Lamar Jackson um, can play against, I'd say, a better defense than the Cardinals and the Dolphins. Um, it's hard yes, to get much worse sure. than that right now. But we'll see how he can play um, if he's more of a running quarterback or a actual pocket passer in that game. Um, it was a very close game last year uh, that the Chiefs won um, on a last-second play against the Baltimore Ravens. So... I'm assuming it's going to be another good game this year. Um, But your fun fact of the day, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Joe Montana each have eight career games with at least four touchdown passes. Um, By the way, Joe Montana did it in 192 games. Um, It's only taken Patrick Mahomes 19. So this kid can pass the rock without Tyreek Hill on the field. But another good game... um, it, it didn't start out very well, but Mike, do you want to talk a little bit about your Vikings? Yeah, that Vikings-Packers game was, I mean, it looked, like you said, it looked bad early. So the the Packers jump out to an early uh, 21 to nothing lead as the Vikings defense struggles early and Kirk Cousins uh, decides he wants to fumble. He fumbled twice on two consecutive plays. He recovered the first and uh, lost the second one. But anyway, the Packers jumped out to and jumped out to an early 21 lead because of the fumble and another missed Vikings field goal. The Vikings are really good at missing field goals. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. Mike Zimmer is going to quit football because he hates kickers so much. But then this team showed great resilience. They came back early in the second quarter. Dalvin Cook broke a 75-yard touchdown run. He's the real. This is a good run. The Vikings, yeah. the Vikings run. He's showing incredible vision. This zone running scheme that the Vikings, the, the offensive line and the run defense has been phenomenal for the Vikings. And in the pass defense, it has been or pass 
the run, the Vikings O line on run plays has been phenomenal, and on pass plays has been abysmal. It's been really bad on pass plays. But anyway, so then the Vikings claw back, and they're within uh, within four points there, four or five points, uh, yeah, five points, I guess it was, coming down. And the Cyclones have just, well, the Cyclones, the Vikings have just been pounding the ball down the uh, Packers throughout with the run game. And then we get it down first and goal on the eight. Um, um, first and goal on the eight. And the uh, Cyclone, the Cyclones, boy, I'm distracted. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I just got a text that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick was just traded. Uh, Kyle, look up more details on that while uh, I'm talking about the uh, I got to get Twitter because I hope it's the Chiefs. We yeah, need you, a cornerback. You figure that out while I finish. And we uh, we don't we don't need our first round draft pick, which will be the thirty second draft pick. Yeah, I, I, Vic, Vic, shout out to Victor. Just texted me that Minka Fitzpatrick thanks, got traded. Thanks, Victor. So, um, but anyway, yes, first and goal at the eight after the Vikings had been running the ball down the Packers' throat, and the Vikings go with the play action pass, which okay, I can see that. That's a good good situation to do a play action pass. I'm not upset with that play call. But then there's no receivers open as Kirk Cousins rolling out. And instead of, you know, throwing it out the back of the end zone, he inexplicably tries to throw it to Stefan Diggs in double coverage, and it gets picked off. I mean, the Vi- if the Vikings score there, they win that game, and they end up not not doing it. Kirk Cousins is awful in big situations. His, his, uh, pass, his quarterback rating in that game was 4. That's on a 0 to 100 scale, not a 0 to 10 scale. On a 0 to 100 scale, it was 4. The Vikings had another thing, you know, their yards per play were uh, significantly higher than the Packers, too. It was a game, it was the same script as the Cyclones. The Vikings dominated, made, th- made uh, turned the ball over three times to the Packers, won, and they just, and they couldn't overcome it. You just can't turn Are the ball over. Are you kidding me? Especially a on the team who is in, A team who isn't even in contention this year, the Steelers traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. Interesting. What did they give up for him? 2020 first round pick. The first, okay. The Dolphins uh, are probably. I would assume. Picks. I would assume probably more than that, honestly. Yeah. But the, the, the Dolphins are going to have like a quarter of the first round picks. The in Dolphins are now set to have three first round picks. They're in 2020. Their yeah. own Houston's and Pitts. Yeah. And Pitts will probably end up being a fair, a really good one since and they're not going to go anywhere this year. You see, so I saw something today, right? Because, right, obviously the Dolphins are tanking, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I see I see a, a meme. It's the, the you know, the sweating guy. Yep. Dolphins fans realizing the Steelers are also 0-2 and don't have Big Ben, realizing they have to tank harder to get the number one overall pick. Well, now they don't have to worry about that because they have the Steelers pick too. Yep. So. They might have two top ten, top. if not even top five or six mm-hmm. picks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be and, crazy. Yeah. And that Houston pick, who knows what to think out of Houston after they eked out a win against uh, Jacksonville because Jacksonville went for two and didn't get it. There goes OBJ for like a 90-yard touchdown. No, I just lost a fantasy football game because of that. No, I don't like that. 89-yard touchdown reception. No, I don't like that. Is, it, PP- is it PPR or standard scoring? It doesn't matter. I was only up by like seven points. Oh, okay. Well, at least your team can score points. Mine can't. Speaking of a quarterback who can't score any points, did you did you tell them this stat that Kirk Cousins is now only five and twenty six against teams with a winning record? That doesn't look good for the rest of their season. They play a lot of teams with winning records. Yeah, this team just has to win in spite of Kirk Cousins instead of uh, because of Kirk Cousins. I think if he you win to... it all this year, it's gonna be because of Dalvin this... Cook. Yes, I mean this this has to model the. Um... Boy, what year was that? The 2013 Vikings with uh, Christian Ponder and Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Just play good defense and run the ball down their throat and hope that uh, your quarterback doesn't make a big mistake like Kirk Cousins did against the Packers. Mm. The Packers game was the blueprint for how this team is going to have to win games, minus the Kirk Cousins throwing a big interception. Yeah. But another team that has a really good offense right now, um, the Cowboys are rolling over teams right now with their new offensive scheme led by uh, uh, Ken Bryles, um, the son of um, Art Bryles, uh, the former Baylor coach who uh, was able to put up a ton of points with 
players like uh, Jarrett Stidham, Robert Griffin III. So it looks like it's working in Dallas, but we'll see if they can actually um, get to the postseason and win some games. Speaking of the postseason, though, Baseball playoffs. Baseball playoffs are coming up real, real quick. Uh Um, I'll just get this out of the way because they're they're completely out of it. Uh, Solaire keeps hitting the ball a long way. Um, He will potentially be the first American League home run leader uh, for the Royals ever if he can hit two more home runs in the remaining 12 games that they play. Now that Mike Trout is officially done for the season. Um, That report just came out a few days ago. They're shutting him down as he is going to get surgery to correct his foot issue. Um, Apparently, the Royals like to win until they play the Astros. Uh, They won four series uh, in a row and then then got absolutely demolished by the Astros. They went up against Garrett Cole, Zach Granke, and Wade Miley. Um, The Astros rotation is... Just incredible. Justin Verlander is going to win his second Cy Young Award. Garrett Cole could w- potentially win his first, but you can't have two AL Cy Young Award winners. Garrett Cole's leading the American League in strikeouts. This team is built for the postseason. Good luck yeah. to the American League. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pennant. Any, anybody with American League pennant aspirations, it's going through Houston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then the Twins, all one of those teams with AL pennant uh, aspirations. To start the week, they took one of three games from the Washington Nationals. Um, and then they went into Cleveland for what would be the biggest series of the year. They start a game on uh, on Friday, and the Friday night, and the Twins lead it off with um, infield single, two-run home run to start the game from Jorge Polanco. Cleveland answers back with two runs, and uh, midway through the third, but after the third inning, the uh, tarp goes on the field for a rain delay, and it never comes off. That game just gets washed out, like it never was even played. And the Twins had uh, Jake Odorizzi, their second-best pitcher, lined up to pitch and basically burned him for that entire series. So going into Saturday, the Twins have two bullpen days, games, right, set up for Saturday now because they were already planning on one for Saturday, and then you burned your your other starter, so you had to do another bullpen day. And that bullpen just shuts down the Indians. The Twins win the first game 2 to nothing, and then I think it was 9-5. They took the second game after a big home run, a grand slam by Miguel Sano late in the game, right as the uh, Cyclones were blowing the game. And that was probably that was the biggest day of the year for the Twins. They ended up losing... Um, losing game three in what also was a bullpen game because they pushed Jose Burrios back a day after they won their first two games. So the Twins took th- two out of three from their in- the Indians without any of their starters pitching at all, except I guess we brought Kyle Gibson in for relief once and he barfed all over himself in Sunday's game. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so outs- none, outside of Kyle Gibson throwing part of an inning, none of the Twins' main starters pitched at all in that series, and they took two out of three from the Indians. It basically wrapped up the division. Um, the Twins now, after winning here on Monday night, now have a, I believe it is a five-game lead over the Indians. The magic number is eight. So um, the Twins are going to win this division now. It's merely a formality, seeing as all the remaining games are against the White Sox, Royals, and Tigers. Yeah, uh, they it, got an easy slate to finish out. The Twins also had a mixed bag of injury news. Byron Buxton is out for the year after having shoulder surgery, and Sam Dyson had a setback in his recovery and is out for the year. But um, Marwin Gonzalez came back here this week. Jake Cave is back fully healthy. Miguel Sano healthy. Nelson Cruz healthy. So this team is finally getting uh, back to uh, full health, which is good. So... Just set up your rotation, keep everybody healthy, and get ready to face either the Yankees or the Astros in a best-of-five ALDS. But the most interesting division race here coming down the stretch is definitely still the NL Central. Three teams all within three games of each other, with the uh, Cardinals currently leading the Cubs by two games and the Brewers by two and a half games. Um, it's just a, such a tight race with the Cubs holding that second wild card spot by half a game over the Brewers. And mm-hmm. all of the Cardinals' remaining games are against above 500 teams, including seven games with the Cubs down the stretch. 
So that division could still easily end in a three-way tie. And that's just a division you got to keep your eye on. The Brewers, after losing Christian Yelich to a broken kneecap, as he fouled the ball off his kneecap and broke it, have gone on and they've won nine out of the last ten, even after suffering that injury. So they're back in the in the postseason picture here, coming down the stretch. NL Central and AL Wild Card are your only interesting races. The Dodgers, the Braves have already clinched playoff spots. The Yankees will clinch here in the next couple of days, as will they the get Astros. Luis, they get Luis Severino back on Tuesday. Yep. Yep. We'll see I mean, what he can do to help yep. them. The Yankees and Astros will have probably clinched by uh, when we record next week. And the Twins may have also clinched, depending on how uh, they and the Indians play going forward. So, playoff races are coming up strong. We'll do a playoff preview here in a couple weeks once the playoffs started. But Speaking that, of playoff push, did you see Mike Fire's new beard? No, I did not. You should look that up. It is a thing of... Play, it is playoff a, beards are a hockey thing, though. It is a thing of intrigue. Um, it's nothing that I've ever seen before. So, it's... it's um, it, he, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like he put a wave on his face. Interesting. <laughs> Did you see it? No, I haven't seen it yet. I'll okay. look it up after the show. Okay. Yeah. Well, but continuing you know with more you know baseball else? instead you know, of you know right really else down. Fun to watch. Really else fun to watch. Dio is fun to watch. His last week, he was um, three for seventeen. With a walk and a big walk because he took a four-pitch walk right before Lamont Wade Jr. hit his first career big league home run to be officially part of that Bomba squad that's going to have the MLB record in home runs. Go Bomba squad. Shout out Lamont Wade, first major league home run. So Willens Astadio is still hanging in there. With the injuries the Twins have now to A-Ray Adrianza as well, Astadio might earn a playoff spot just by the fact of we don't have enough warm bodies warm, healthy position player bodies to put and on you the might, You might roster need some, without some warm bodies so, in Minnesota during playoff season. Yeah, it's gonna, we're going to bundle up. But, so Willens Astadio, 3 for 17 with a walk, run scored, doing pretty good. Keep it up, Willens Astadio, playing all over the diamond. Um, do you want to get into another one of your favorite segments? Mike Stupid Rules? Yeah. Yeah, I gave you a little it bit of a... It does have your name on it. Yep. I gave you a little bit of a extra Stupid Rule, but I wanted to go with an NFL rule that came up during Sunday Night Football, and this has to do with uh, quarterbacks giving themselves up. Um, so right, you, it's, you should know that right, a quarterback has been judged to give themselves up when they go into like a feet-first slide, Right. And then they're, de- then they're declared down where they first went into that slide, right? And obviously they don't need to be touched to be declared down, right, when a quarterback gives themselves up. New this year, actually, is that a quarterback can have been called um, giving themselves up when they're diving forward now. So for their um, – they're, they're not marked down where they started the dive forward, obviously. They're marked when they touch the, where they touch the ground. But it means that they don't need to be touched to be declared down like any other position or any other player would be, like a running back or a receiver. Mm -hmm. So this came up on a two-point conversion for the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. Carson Wentz dove for the end zone, and his knee touched the ground before the ball crossed the plane. But he wasn't touched, right? So I assumed it was a good two-point conversion until that rule was explained to me that diving forward now, a quarterback is said to have given himself up. So he – when yeah, his did knee not. hit the ground, he was down. Yeah, so when his knee hit the ground, just short of the goal line, he uh. was declared down, even though he hadn't been touched, and it was no two-point conversion for the Eagles. Mm. So there you go. A quarterback is considered to have given himself up, even if he is diving head first, as opposed to just feet first, in a new rule this year. But it's just everything about this new review system for pass interference and what you can review. Reviewing pass interference has been an absolute disaster this year. Mm -hmm. Is that that why you're pissed off? Yes, it is. There were like five calls just this week that they screwed up. There was an offensive pass interference against the Vikings. There were two calls in the Steelers-Seahawks game that made absolutely no sense. There was a play in the the Falcons Eagles game where it looked like Julio Jones got mugged, so the uh, 
Falcons challenged it and they didn't call pass interference. I don't get it. They said they, this would be used to correct egregious things, right? Clear and obvious misses by the but officials. But it seems like it seems like the coaches are challenging everything that they think is is deemed potential. There was yes. one time. There was one time where it did actually pan out. So the Dolphins challenged a play where the Patriots ran a pick play. And uh, Josh Gordon uh, took out a defender five yards down the field on his route, completely freed up. I believe it was Antonio Brown, or it was the other way around, vice versa. It doesn't matter. The Dolphins did challenge it. The officials did get it right there, but then they missed a play where the Patriots challenged um, an offensive pass interference as well. So it's there is no consensus and I have a feeling that this is just going to continue to spiral out of control unless something is changed. And I don't know if they can change anything right now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Somebody um, needs to hold this, them accountable. This, the, the system is just broken. It's just broken. Somebody but I am. to a, account, hold them accountable, though. But like, like thankfully, I'm going to hold all of us accountable. Thankfully, we have Mike to hold us accountable on this podcast. Yes, you do. We had five predictions come off the board this week. First one from guest Arian from last week said that Kyler Murray would have more yards than Pat Mahomes next week. That did uh, not happen. That did not Mahomes happen. Mahomes had 443. Kyler Murray in a valiant effort had 349. So that was actually a lot of yards for Murray, but, you know, yeah. Mahomes just had a great game. So for that, Mahomes Arian, you say, better. nah. Uh, Kyle had one prediction come off the board, and I mean, technically, this is still mathematically possible. But, but I'm agreeing that it should come off the board, and I'm Kyle's, the one who made it. So. Kyle said that the Royals would finish third in the AL Central. They're 10 games behind the uh, White Sox with 12 games to play. It's not happening. Nope. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. Two predictions came off the board from Wyatt because he had uh, two predictions on the Iowa, Iowa State game. Uh, first, he predicted the game would not go into overtime, which he's correct. It did not go into overtime. Ding, ding, so ding, 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 ding. And second, he predicted the Iowa State game point would be scored with less than a minute on the clock. If we wouldn't, the Cyclones wouldn't have muffed that punt, maybe you would have been right, but we muffed the punt and Iowa knelt out the final minute. So for that, why it gets a nah. Um, and then Josh had one prediction come off the board. He predicted that Green Bay would hold the Vikings to under 14 points. Um, last week, the Vikings did not get held to under 14 points. So for that, Josh gets a meh. I believe that is all of our that's accountability all, That's all she session. wrote. Yep, that is all of our accountability session. Yeah, Kyle, go ahead and lead us off. With all right, so um, now with what just happened, I don't know if this changes it at all, the complexity of my prediction. Um, but I am predicting now without Big Ben, the Steelers will start the season 0-6 until they have a um, meeting with the Miami Dol- Dolphins. So <laughs> a meeting of two 0-6 teams in Possibly, week yeah. seven, potentially. So yeah. uh, So what's the Steelers' schedule? Uh, the Steelers' schedule. Week three, uh, they play in San Francisco. They only have a 21%. Uh, chance to win that game, according to 538. Um, they play, oh shoot, they play uh, at home to Cincinnati um, in week four. They have a 57% chance of winning that game. Uh, they play at home to Baltimore in week five, only a 29% chance to win that game. Uh, and then they play in LA in week six with an 18% chance to win that game. Um, and then we get into their uh, bye week and then their showdown with Miami. Okay. We'll give you a double for starting 0-6. Okay. Double. And that is a that is a potential 0-6 Monday night showdown in week 8. Oh, boy. <laughs> that boy. might get flexed. Off of they, they can't you can't flex in week six week eight too, too early in the season it's week eight though too early in the season so i think oh. it has to be like week 12 or after the flex okay. but all right my prediction is that with everybody here in minnesota bailing off the Kirk cousins bandwagon 
Kirk Cousins will win this Vikings team a game this year. Like, there'll be a game that you'll just be able to look at and be like, yeah, the Vikings won that game because of Kirk Cousins. Because he threw for, like, at something like at least 300 yards and, like, this, three or four touchdowns. I mean, I'm not going like to put that. a thing on it, so this prediction is but somewhat I'm subjective. Just, I'm just going to say something like right. that, where it's you look at the box score and you're like, nobody did anything but Kirk Cousins. Right. You and Wyatt will have to judge me on it, but it's somewhat, so it's somewhat subjective, but that's my prediction, is that Kirk Cousins will win the Vikings a game. Yeah, he's looked horrible. But I think at some point he will be able to win a game because he is an NFL quarterback. I mean, he is an NFL quarterback. I'm going to give you a double for that. All right, I'll take a double. I'll take a double for that. And I do have a prediction from Josh this week. Josh predicts that the Packers will win their next four games to start um, this season four or six and oh if they win their next. All right. Game. Week so- three. Yep. Week three, they host Denver, 74% chance to win, according to 538. Mm-hmm. Week four, Thursday night matchup against Philadelphia in Lambeau, 56% chance to win that game. Week five, they go to Dallas with only a 36% chance to win. Um, and then week six, they have a Monday night showdown at home against Detroit. Lots of home games, but the one road game is a big one. Can they match up against the Cowboys? What's their winning percentage against uh, The winning Detroit? percentage against Detroit, uh, 65%. So that gives them about a 9.7% chance to uh, to go uh, season 6 and I'm thinking triple or home run for that. All I, right, we're gonna- I just give them a triple. I feel like all three of those home games are super winnable. The, and, the Dallas one's gonna be tough, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's like fifty fifty about fifty fifty at that Dallas game just because of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, so, but he hasn't looked great this year. No, he looked he looked better against Minnesota, but not mm-hmm. great. I'm gonna say triple. That's not a home run. If he <laughs> if Josh would have said they're gonna win their next six games, start the yeah. season eight and zero, then yeah, oh yeah, home run. yeah. And with that. That is the end of the Write That Down Prediction segment, which also means it is the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to the 8311Cast episode 47. We'll catch you next week with episode 48. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.